Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Plant School podcast. I'm Rachel Tenney. And here we learn all about plants, how they work, how to care for them, and it's all taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can listen to, understand, and enjoy. So I hope that you will join me in plant school. Hello and welcome back to plant school, or welcome to plant school. If this is your first episode, This is a podcast all about explaining plant care and all things related to plants simply. And today, since we are in the midst of December, we are going to be doing a Christmas plant, a very popular one. You may have heard it. It's a poinsettia. And before we dive in, I wanted to do another giveaway. And I know I I just did one, but here's the thing. You guys have been so sweet with giving reviews on Apple Podcasts and you guys know that's how I choose my giveaway winners is when you leave a review on Apple Podcasts and I got one and it's probably the nicest review I have ever gotten. I'm debating if I should read it all. Is that like tooting my own horn? I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna read it. Okay, I'm just gonna read the whole thing. It's, it's long. But like I said, it is so kind, blew me away. So it says this, I'm fairly new to caring for and propagating plants. My little plant collection has become a nice life-giving addition to life and family. I discovered the Plant School podcast and found Rachel to be a tremendous help as I am learning the many hidden secrets plants hold that are just waiting to be uncovered. I have learned about the necessary plant basics as well as some welcomed more in-depth plant nerdery. From plant and botanist history to carefully researched plant care guides, Rachel provides a rich variety of content that makes listening to her podcast while on a morning walk or commute informational and entertaining. It's hard to describe how unusually authentic and accessible Rachel is in her podcast. The best way to describe it is that the podcast is like having coffee with a friend who personally shares a love for plants. Rachel is incredibly articulate, well-read, and disciplined in her research. Her episodes never come off as pretentious or elitist about plants. She is a humble confidence and a simple humor that is simply refreshing. As a guy who enjoys plants, I would also recommend this podcast to other men. She's talking to all people and doesn't assume she's only talking to women. Rachel, thank you for all your hard work that goes into creating each episode. As a fellow podcaster, I know the work that goes into preparing for an episode. Your model has inspired me in my own podcast. Thank you for making this resource available to other plant enthusiasts like me. I look forward to take this plant school journey with you. I know that was long, but isn't that the sweetest thing? Thank you so much. This review was left by Ultra Disney Dad. If that is you, if you are listening right now, first of all, thank you from the bottom of my heart for leaving the nicest review and making my entire day, my entire week, really. Go ahead and email me at tinnyplants at gmail.com. 
Tenny is T-E-N-N-E-Y plants at gmail. And I will go ahead and send you a free plant as well as some plant school merch. And if you would like to win and get a free plant and some plant school merch, go ahead and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's as simple as that. I choose them every so often. This one I just couldn't pass up because it really touched my heart. And I appreciate every review that does come in. It really helps out the podcast and it helps me out emotionally. You know, some days I wonder why I do this and your sweet reviews really help me keep going. So thank you guys so much. And moving on to the episode of poinsettias, which there is some debate on how to say it. I have always said poinsettia and I know that some people say poinsettia, which I think is wrong, but... (laughs) You are welcome to your own opinions, and you can say it the way you want, but I'm going to say poinsettia. And I always start my plant care guides by diving into what this plant is and its history. So we're going to do that first before I tell you how to exactly care for it and keep it a very happy houseplant. So first question, what is a poinsettia? It is one of the most popular Christmas plants. So if you've never seen one, you need to get out more. (laughs) They're all over Walmart or any grocery store. And if you don't see them live, I am sure you've seen them in decorations of all sorts, whether it's like a potted faux poinsettia or used in wreaths or different things like that. So we know that one of its common names is poinsettia, but it's also called the Christmas flower, the flame leaf flower, or the lobster flower. Most commonly though, you will see this and hear it referred to as a poinsettia. And it's from the family of Spurges, Euphorbiaceae. And we know that Euphorbias, they have a milky latex sap. That's kind of a tell-tell sign in this family of plants. And the poinsettia, Euphorbia pulcherima, is no different. It has that milky sap. And we will be talking about that sap in a little bit because actually a lot of people can be allergic to the sap of euphorbias. So there's about 100 varieties of poinsettias available, so many different kinds. They can be white, pale yellow, pale green, red, burgundy, or pink. The most common is probably red. And these colors that I'm referring to are not the actual flower that is that color, but it's their bracts. They are the colored leaves and they are actually modified leaves. So they're not flowers at all. Their purpose, these modified leaves or bracts, is to attract pollinators to the true flowers, which are those tiny little nubs in the center of the bracts. Those are called cyatheas. And once the bracts have kind of accomplished that purpose, they've attracted the pollinators, the plant is pollinated, they will eventually fall off. This plant is native to Mexico and Guatemala where it grows to about 10 to 15 feet tall and it's a sort of shrub that grows natively there. They can be found in the wild in deciduous tropical forests at a moderate elevation from southern Sinaloa down the entire Pacific coast to Mexico to Chiapas and Guatemala. And they can also be found in hot, seasonally dry forests in Guero and Oxica. Those are both also in Mexico. Moving on to our next question, does the poinsettia hold any symbolism? And yes, it does. It means to be of good cheer 
or simply good cheer or merriment. And makes a lot of sense because it has kind of been branded as the Christmas flower and Christmas season or this holiday season is a time of cheer and merriment. Also, the star-shaped leaf pattern that poinsettias have is said to represent the star of Bethlehem, and the red of those modified leaves, the bracts, symbolizes the blood of Jesus. So it holds a lot of symbolism. A lot of it has kind of been related back to Christmas, especially for Christian religions. And now it's time for my favorite question of all plant care guide episodes is, what is this plant's history? I mentioned this earlier, but poinsettias, they are indigenous or native to Mexico and Central America, where they are actually shrubs or small trees. And our first, like, real known knowledge about them is that they were cultivated by the Aztecs. And the Aztecs, they use them in traditional medicine as an antipyretic. That simply means that it can help reduce fevers. And they also use this plant as a reddish-purple dye for their fabric. So the original name for this plant from the Aztecs is, well, I would try and say it, but it is so hard to say. I even, like, looked up those little videos where it's just someone, like, repeating it, you know? And guys, it, it it didn't help. It made it worse. And so I really have no idea to say. I'm going to give it a whack. It's uh, Quitlaxochitl. Something like that. And it translates to flower that grows in residues or soil. But interestingly, Montezuma, who was the last of the Aztec kings, he had poinsettias delivered to him by caravan to what is now Mexico City, because they can't be grown in high altitudes, so he had to have them shipped in to him. Apparently, he must have loved this plant. And much later on, in 16th century Mexico, is really when the poinsettia started to be associated with Christmas. And this is most likely what we think it's most likely because it blooms around Christmas time in its native area. And then also, Franciscan priests also use the poinsettia to celebrate the nativity procession in the Fiesta of Santa Pesebra in the 1600s. So there was this popular legend in Mexico of a girl commonly called Pepita or Maria, and she was too poor to provide a gift for the celebration of Jesus's birthday. And she was inspired by an angel to gather roadside weeds and place them in front of the church altar. And these crimson blossoms sprouted from the weeds and became the poinsettia. And that may be a reason why they used this. And that may be another reason why they used the poinsettia to celebrate the nativity procession. And from that, it became known as La Flor de Nochebuena which literally translates to the Christmas Eve flower or Christmas flower. At least that's what Google told me because I am not a native Spanish speaker. I'm sure you can tell by my high school level Spanish pronunciations going on here. So moving on to the 1800s, in the 1820s, there was a man, Joel Roberts Poinsett, and he was a United States minister to Mexico and he was also a botanist. He found the poinsettia, he thought they were beautiful, and he sent them to his home in South Carolina. 
and Joel Roberts Poinsett is credited for introducing the plant to the U.S. He started to share cuttings with his friends. They enjoyed them during the holiday season. He died a while ago, but he died on December 12th, and that is now celebrated as Poinsettia Day. So December 12th, if you're listening to this episode right as I published it, that was only a few days ago. So hopefully you celebrated Poinsettia Day somehow, maybe bought one. But because this plant is named after Joel, Robert Poinsett, it's actually grammatically correct to capitalize poinsettia in sentences. So if you're ever, I, I don't know when you'd be writing about poinsettias, I do because I have this podcast, but if you're writing about them or texting someone about a poinsettia, just know that it should be capitalized for old Joel who brought these to America. So the first person to actually sell the plant to the public was a nursery owner in Pennsylvania. His name was Robert Buist, and he sold them under the botanical name. He didn't call them a poinsettia, so he sold them as Euphorbia pulcherima, its scientific name, and it later became known as the poinsettia after Robert Poinsett. But when they were first sold, this common name hadn't quite caught on. And poinsettias really took off in the 1960s when they were hybridized to give the plant more strength and extend its flowering period. Which brings us to the Eck family. This family is fascinating to me because they kind of took poinsettias for what they were and just blew them up. Not literally, but figuratively made them so popular. In 1900, Albert Eck immigrated from Germany to the U.S. with his family and his grandson, Paul Eck Jr. And when they got here, they had an orchard, they had a dairy farm, but they also dabbled in flowers. And one of the flowers that they grew was the poinsettia. And Paul noticed that they bloomed in the winter. And he started to call them the Christmas flower. And being kind of a marketing genius... He gave them for free to TV shows. He had them placed in women's magazines all during the holiday season to kind of market them and have them become the phenomenon that they are today. And he did incredibly well with this because the Eck family was really the only people growing poinsettias in a really desirable manner. Paul discovered a way to cause poinsettia seedlings to branch so that they could be really nice and compact and bushy and he could make them in mass quantities with his nursery. And actually, this is really interesting, no one else knew how to do what the Eck family was doing for a really long time. So at one point, the Eck family, their company, they controlled 90% of the American poinsettia market. Now it's about 70% for the U.S., and still today, 50% of the worldwide market is grown by the Eck family. And their 90% control of the market has decreased. And this is why a grad student in 1991 published an article describing a method to cause poinsettias to branch. And this was the secret that the Eck family had of how to make these little seedlings branch and grow in this form that was really desirable. And so with that secret out, competition obviously took hold of that and they started to flourish, especially in Europe, and it cut X share of the market significantly. 
So Paul Eck Jr., who is now deceased, he's considered the father of the poinsettia industry because he discovered the technique that caused these seedlings to branch. And the Eck family, they ran their company for over 100 years, but they actually sold uh, fairly recently, 12 years ago, in August of 2010, to a Dutch-based agrobio group. So the Eck family no longer owns their big poinsettia business, but they did for a really long time. And I want to kind of like wrap up the history of this plant with some really interesting stats about it and the market for it today because it it blows my mind how well this plant does. So poinsettias contribute to about 250 million to the U.S. economy at a retail level. It is the best-selling potted plant in the U.S. and Canada and I think it's the second best flowering plant that sells. I think the only thing that comes close to it is orchids. But approximately 65 million potted poinsettias are sold each year nationwide. 65 million. And most of these sales come in a six-week period during the year. I'm sure we all know when that six-week period is because it's happening right now. The holiday season. That is when these things sell like hotcakes. And California is the top producing state in the U.S. They produce about 27 million pots, and they are followed in production by Texas, North Carolina, Ohio, and Michigan. Each of those states produce about 14 million pots, each one on their own. Interestingly, it's estimated that women account for 80% of poinsettia sales. I don't know how they figure that out, but they did. And in 1919, there was a misconception. I'm sure you guys have heard of this. So it was spread around, and it's about a two-year-old who died after eating a leaf of a poinsettia. Just ate one leaf and keeled over. But it's not true. It's false. It's an urban legend. But it is a very popular urban legend. It actually caused the FDA, which is the Federal Drug Administration here in the United States, in 1970 to publish an article stating that one leaf of a poinsettia could kill a child and you need to be aware of this plant. We know that it's an error and no such incident happened, but people commonly think that this plant is highly toxic, but it is not at all dangerous. 92% of people who consume a poinsettia, how did they figure this out? I don't know, maybe some test subjects got paid good money for this, but they found that 92% had no effects. Some people had nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea, and that is for humans and for pets. So both are affected, or can be, 8% of us might be affected if you happen to eat one. And there was actually a study at Ohio State University, and they estimated that a 50-pound child would have to eat about 500 leaves to have side effects. And just a little tidbit of knowledge, poinsettias actually taste awful. So not only is like eating 500 leaves a huge amount, but I don't know if anyone would even want to because they taste terrible. I'm not speaking from experience. I've never tried one, but I am trusting this study that they do taste terrible. And like I mentioned before, it is a euphorbia and it has that white latex sap and the sap can cause skin rashes or dermatitis because of the latex in the sap. And it can also make tools sticky. 
I don't know why I wrote that down, but I did. And I'm going to share that piece of knowledge with you that if you are cutting one, it can make your tools sticky. Probably just because of that rubbery latex in the sap. But definitely don't be rubbing the sap all over you. I actually had a professor in field botany who was very allergic to the sap of euphorbias. And he didn't know that for one of his classes. This was before I took the class from him and he told us this story. But he didn't know that and he started picking. I forget what the specific euphorbia was. But he picked it and the sap got on his hand and he like wiped his face and he said his students started to look at him funny and he was like, what's going on? And noticed that he was red and starting to swell up where the sap had touched his skin. So just just be aware that some people have really bad reactions. Some people, it doesn't bug them at all, but it can cause rashes, swelling, and other symptoms like that. All right, that was a lot of history. That was a lot of really fun information. And so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to dive into exactly how to care for this plant, including probably the most common question of how to make a poinsettia reflower. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, and we are back, ready to dive into how to make a poinsettia thrive all year round, not just during the holiday season. And like I said, I'm going to start with the most common question, how to make this plant reflower. And just fair warning, it's a little difficult to do. At least that's my opinion of it. It seems difficult. (laughs) But maybe you'll hear this and you're like, oh, that's no problem. I can do that. We'll let you decide. So the bracts, those colored leaves, they will fade in spring, but this is how to get them back the next year. You got to follow these steps. So first of all, you're going to prune it to about four inches in height. You're going to do this probably in the springtime, May, somewhere around there. So prune it down to four inches in height and repot it and keep it in a cool, bright spot all summer long. And when you get into early fall, you're going to put your poinsettia in a closet or cover it with a black plastic bag for 14 hours each night for 10 weeks. You're going to take it out during the day and if you do that it will flower or those bracts will come back for the holiday season. So these colorful bracts that are coming back they are created through photoperiodism meaning that they require darkness, which for them is 12 hours at a time for at least five days in a row to change color. And this happens in their native environment, just naturally. But if you are not living 
in Mexico in its native environment, you have to simulate this by putting that black plastic bag on it or putting it in a closet. And when the poinsettia has finished that process of photoperiodism, the plant loves abundant light during the day for the brightest color. So if you have one right now, it's going to need bright light. You don't need to be putting it in a closet right now. But to get those bracts to come back for next year, they require the photoperiodism for them to come back. If you happen to interrupt the 14 hours of darkness that it needs each night for 10 weeks, it is very likely that your bracts will not come out. You can't interrupt that light. So if you like happen to accidentally expose it to the sun, it's usually done. It's not going to work for that year. Do you see why (laughs) it sounds like a pain in the butt? I'm assuming that you are nodding your head yes, because it just seems tough. And it makes sense why nurseries have kind of taken this on themselves and they're they're very good at this. They have systems in place to kind of manage this photoperiodism and give them the darkness that they need for the certain amount of time. And it makes sense why we buy them each and every year and it's such a big market because the bracts are desirable to have because they're very colorful but it's very hard to get to that point. So I feel like a lot of the consumers out there would just rather rebuy a poinsettia every year rather than trying to simulate this all on their own at home to get those bracts to come back. But in the meantime, just like enjoying it while it's in your home right now and getting the most out of it that you can, And maybe you decide that you want to give it a try to get it to have those flowers and the bracts come back. Or maybe you decide that it's not really your thing and you get rid of it. I want to help you guys enjoy it for as long as you can. So when it comes to placing it in your home and its lighting needs, poinsettias need bright indirect sunlight. It can have some direct sun, but it doesn't need a whole lot. Not enough sun can cause the leaves and the bracts to start fading in color. They do need protection from cold drafts and hot air, so just try and keep it away from vents or from touching cold windows. Being in the cold too long can actually kill it, which is very ironic because it's a Christmas flower and it's shipped to all these places and, you know, in the northern hemisphere, it's very cold during Christmas time and the holidays. So if it is out in the cold too long, it can cause leaves to wilt or drop. So when you are bringing it home, if you do live in a cold place, keep the trip as short as you can or just make sure your poinsettia is not stuck in the cold for too long. And then also, like I said, keep it away from hot vents because that can cause leaves to go yellow and drop or start to pale in color. It just needs a consistent temperature indoors. So it is a good plant for the indoors because of that. Just you need to be careful with extreme temperatures of cold outside and extreme temperatures of hot coming out of your vent. But anywhere from 65 to 73 degrees Fahrenheit or 15 to 23 degrees Celsius is ideal. Poinsettias do have delicate roots, leaves, and bracts, basically the whole thing. So Be careful when you are moving it. They can break pretty easily and they may also drop a few leaves if the environment is suddenly changes. So like when you're bringing it home or you've moved it to a new spot. So just be aware of that. Don't be alarmed 
let it adjust to the new environment and it should be fine. And when it comes to watering your poinsettia, you want to let the soil dry slightly between waterings. Just stick your finger into the soil and if the top one to two inches are dry, you know that it is ready for watering. That is like my go-to tip for all houseplants. Feel if the soil is dry before you water it. Don't rely on some loose schedule that someone has told you. Underwatering, if you forget about it, it can lead to your poinsettia losing leaves or start to wilt. But if you have underwatered it, you can soak it in water. Of course, let the excess water drain out. Don't drown the thing. And speaking of drainage, drainage is needed for this plant. So make sure the pot has holes on the bottom. And if it's in that decorative wrapping that poinsettias often come in, remove it from the decorative wrapping after watering so that the excess water has a way to get out. If you let it just sit there at the bottom, this creates a beautiful environment for fungi to thrive and cause something called root rot that will attack the roots and cause the plant to wilt, drop leaves, or go yellow if not kill the plant. So that is not what we want. Make sure that excess water has a way to get out and away from the roots so it's not just sitting in this little nice container of sitting water. That's a no-go for any plant, really. Humidity can help a poinsettia. It can help the bracts of this plant last longer. So if you want to help the humidity, of course you can use a humidifier if you have one. And another option is a pebble tray. A pebble tray is simply a little tray or dish underneath the plant filled with pebbles or marbles, something of this sort, just something to kind of raise the plant out of the water. But you fill the dish with water, sit the plant on it so it's sitting on top of the pebbles, and as the water evaporates, it creates a nice humid environment for this plant. Not enough humidity for a poinsettia can cause leaves to yellow and drop or have brown tips and crispy edges. When it comes to fertilizing a poinsettia, you just want to fertilize when you see new growth coming in. So you can use a 10-10-10 fertilizer. That's a basic balanced fertilizer. And those numbers, the 10-10-10, refer to the percentage of active ingredients for nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium in that order for your fertilizer. So 10% is nitrogen, 10% is potassium, etc. And you want to fertilize it about every three to four weeks while it's growing. And as for soil for poinsettias, I mentioned earlier that they need good drainage and this applies to their soil as well. So you can use a standard houseplant soil that provides good drainage and organic matter or you can even use like a cactus mix and that will do well too. And I mentioned with the whole reflowering process and getting those bracts to come back and the flowers to come back, you can repot it either if roots are starting to come out of the container or if you're wanting to get your poinsettia to reflower. You should repot it after you've given it that pruning four inches above the soil and you want to move it to a pot that's only one to three inches bigger than the previous one. You don't go crazy and give it a huge pot, just something that's like a step up, one to three inches bigger. And the poinsettia actually can be propagated Propagated means you can make more plants from your single plant. So you can do this via division, and that is basically just splitting up the plant. So you take it out of its pot and kind of like tease it apart. 
there's usually multiple plants growing in one pot and you can pull it apart and propagate your poinsettia by division. Another option that I've heard is by stem cuttings. You can cut off a stem that has a few leaves, you wash off the latex white sap, and then you can place it in soil and it will start to grow roots and be a whole new plant of its own. All right, I only have two more questions for this care guide. First one being, what kind of pests is it susceptible to? So they can be prone to mealybugs, which are those little white cottony looking bugs, and also spider mites, which are not true spiders. I assume a lot of you guys know that, but they aren't true spiders. They are mites. They look like very tiny, tiny spiders, but sometimes you can get mealybug or spider mites on the foliage. And the first step to dealing with these is to inspect the plant closely at the store before you buy it, of course. So first step is just avoidance of them. But if you do have them, you can treat them with neem oil, bonide spray, alcohol, or you can remove them manually with like a Q-tip dipped in alcohol or things like that. I've seen the poinsettias at the store and I've never really seen pest problems on them. Maybe I haven't looked closely enough, but I actually got one this year and I have not seen any pests whatsoever on it. So I don't think it's a super common problem for these plants. Another thing that they can sometimes get is white fly and you will see them just buzzing around by your soil. If you notice this, try and cut back on watering and apply an insecticide to the soil or you can pour a little bit of diluted rubbing alcohol to the soil that will kill the eggs of the white fly. And if you want to kill the adults, you can set out a vinegar soap mixture in a shallow dish, or you can get fly traps and they will be attracted to either of those things and either die in the vinegar soap mixture or get stuck on the fly trap. And lastly, just some extra care tips slash pieces of knowledge. Poinsettias, they can sometimes be sprinkled with glitter or painted blue or purple which is a real travesty for cleaning them and as well as just like interrupting photosynthesis. Why marketers do this, I don't know. Who in the nursery thinks this is a good idea? I know the people in the nursery are smart, so why are we painting them and sprinkling them with glitter? Maybe they sell better, which is unfortunate. So if you notice this, don't buy it and maybe they'll stop making them. Maybe if we get the demand for them, down real low, the supply will follow and they'll stop doing this. But if someone gifts you one that has glitter on it or it's painted blue, try your best to wash it off just to help aid photosynthesis and have that process perform at its optimal level. My other tip is that pruning can help your poinsettia have more compact growth if it's looking really long and leggy. So if it is looking long and leggy, you can cut them down to about four to five inches above the soil and it will keep it looking compact and nice. And my last tip is just remove dead or dying parts of the plant when needed. You don't need to be scared to take those parts off if they are on their way out. And that is it. That is how you care for a poinsettia. I hope you guys learned something new and enjoyed this episode of Plant School. If you did, I hope you'll share it with others, leave a review, anything helps, especially just you being here as a listener. So thank you again for listening to Plant School, and I hope to have you here for our next episode in two weeks. 
thank you so much for being here and for listening to the Plant School podcast. I hope that you will join me for our next episode. And if you would like to support this podcast and keep it going, there's a link down in the show notes of this episode where you can donate to this podcast. And I really appreciate all that help. Or you can go to my merch store, which is also linked in the notes of this episode. And you can find some really cool plant-related shirts and stickers. And if you want to support the podcast but spend no money, feel free to share it with a friend, leave a review. All these things greatly help me out and allow me to keep doing this. Again, thank you so much for listening and for being here at the Plant School Podcast. Thank you.